0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you have joined me for this podcast. This is episode 141, and I'm not going to waste any more time. I am sitting here in the offices at the Creation Museum in Kentucky, and I am interviewing Bodie Hodge, one of the members of this wonderful ministry that you all have heard about. Bodie is a speaker for... The creation museum and aig he is a researcher aig is answers in genesis perchance you don't know that he has a master's degree in mechanical engineering from southern illinois university at carbondale i got all that said (laughs) there it's a big title for a university he's a member of the editorial review board he has been involved in several books and dvds i will have links here in the show notes uh, to his amazon page so you can check out the books that he's written and those that he has co-authored. You will want to get those if you don't have those and you want to read them. They are excellent. The work that they do here at AIG is fantastic work. I was introduced to the creation um, ministry through Henry Morris and Ken Ham in 1986 in my undergrad work. I'd been a Christian for two years and this rocked my world and i have always appreciated what they have done i have followed ken ham specifically heard him speak a few times and it is a phenomenal work this is our second time at the creation museum Bodie, thank you so much for being here on the podcast hey it's great to be on the show now my question one of the questions i have for you is you're a mechanical engineer so when you were as a 10 year old boy and you were thinking or a 15 year old boy or whatever what do i want to be when i grow up i want to be a mechanical engineer correct
1: well kind of you know i i I actually wanted to be a pilot i wanted to fly f-16s and a lot of uh, pilots want to be engineers and i thought well hey let's go down that route but uh, something interesting about that is, uh, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, I went to church, went to Sunday school, and I always said, I'm never going into ministry. I also said I'd never be a teacher, and lo and behold, I became a teacher, and I went into ministry. Never say never. <laughs> That's right, the Lord gets a hold of you, you know. So your, uh,
0: your engineering degree was really a route to be a pilot.
1: Originally, that's what I'd thought of, but by the time I went to college uh, later on uh, in life, you know, I'd I dropped the the goals of t- uh, going to become a pilot, and I thought I'm just going to go become the engineer.
0: All right, so uh, in uh, at Carbondale. As an engineer, what were you thinking as far as a vocational choice within the engineering field?
1: Well, you know, it it wouldn't have surprised me if I would have went into uh, dealing with jets and airplanes because I've always loved that sort of thing. So, you know, as an engineer, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there, you know, with Lockheed or Boeing or people like that. But, uh, you know, once I started doing uh, graduate work, I actually started to shift and think, well, you know, maybe academia is where I should be. Uh, Then I got a really good offer from Caterpillar and uh, went up there, uh, you know, working through Aerotech Engineering to work for Caterpillar as a test engineer, and I loved it, you know. So you really did good. work for Caterpillar? I did, yeah. Okay, uh, this is, this would be
0: encouraging for, I mean, we're in, we're the first of June here doing this podcast, there's a lot of people who have just graduated, mm-hmm. excuse me, either high school or college, and I think it's an unfair question to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up <laughs> until I was 38 years old. But so you started out, I don't want to be a pilot. You went to become an engineer. You're working for Caterp- Caterpillar. And now you're sitting in the middle of the Creation Museum. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In Kentucky. So connect a dot because a dot from Caterpillar. Yeah,
1: it, you know, it's... It, well, it Caterpillar seems like a big does yeah. kind
0: of work metaphorically
1: (laughs) yeah uh. metaphorically sure does because there's a transformation you know Uh, caterpillars into butterfly and so forth well you know when i was in my uh university studies and i actually started teaching at uh, southern illinois university there at carbondale um i i actually was teaching engineering for a couple years as a visiting instructor while you
0: were at caterpillar
1: no this is prior to going to caterpillar okay and uh while i was teaching there i actually started to get involved in apologetics and learn how to uh, you know, deal with some of the tough questions about Christianity. How do we know that the Bible is true? You know, how do you defend it? How do you defend the resurrection? And uh, dived into some of the creation apologetics as, as well, you know, dealing with evolution, dealing with six day creation. And uh, when I took the job at Caterpillar, I went from strength to strength. I got involved in youth ministry up in Peoria, Illinois. That's where I was stationed out of. I was working at the Proving Grounds, and I would work with the youth. And I actually got to a point where I was running my own website answering a lot of these tough questions for the kids. And so sometimes I would read materials from Answers in Genesis or the Institute for Creation Research. I know she mentioned Henry Morris in there as well. And I would read some of the really techie articles and then I would bring it down for the kids in just a couple of paragraphs. So for a person who doesn't want to go in ministry, you couldn't help yourself, could you? Could, couldn't help it, you know. I mean, I, Well, I was getting excited about my faith. You know, right. that was one of the things that apologetics did for me. It helped strengthen my faith going, hey, you know what, this is trustworthy. You can trust the Bible from the very first verse. And so 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 I got really excited about that, and I wanted to share that excitement. I think I shared it with a number number of kids that I ended up working with, and one day I hopped on the Answers in Genesis website, and there was a link for jobs, and I thought, oh, what what kind of jobs do they have? And one of the job openings was to answer questions, snail mail, email, phone calls, from a theological uh, and biblical and scientific perspective, and I thought, you know what, this is what I'm doing for fun so uh, i applied and they put me through a pretty rigorous interview process and uh, when it was said done so uh you don't
0: have a job then because what you do for fun you get paid for (laughs) doing and they say that if you do the thing if you get paid for the thing that you love doing it's no Mm -hmm. longer work so this is your passion
1: yeah and i enjoy it you know i love doing this so you know i I get excited, come into work. Hey, I get to get, I get to dive into the Bible. I get to answer tough questions, and that's what I tell people.
0: I, I stopped working ten years ago uh, <laughs> when God gave us this ministry because it's what I love to do. Yeah, and it is work, and I know yeah. it's grueling for you, yep. uh, what you do. Uh, on different angles, Uh, not just the work you do on a Mm day-to-day basis, but the cultural perspective, the worldly cultural perspective of what you do has to be grinding as well. I think I want to talk about that a little bit later. But so what else came with the job? You got a job? Did you gain any other perks with this ministry? Well, you know,
1: uh, you're smiling because you know the perk behind. You know, I ended up meeting uh, Ken Ham's oldest daughter, and we hit it off really well. And uh, uh, we ended up getting married about a year later, and uh, we now have four wonderful kids. And uh, So what do you just, call just him? Uh, Dad? Boss? Ken? You know, I still call him Ken. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, he's, he's a great father-in-law, you know, a uh, good figure for the kids and the grandkids. And, uh, uh, you know, you just you can't ask for anything better. So Ken is married, to, I mean, sorry, Bodie is married <laughs> Ken to, is married to Mal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Bodie is married to Renee. You were married in 2004. You moved down to
1: uh, Kentucky. When did God regenerate you? You know, I was saved when I was nine years old. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was quite young. I grew up in Sunday school, uh, grew up in church, and I made a profession of faith and I got baptized and... Uh, all that was uh, about the time I was nine years old. Now, did I grow a lot? I, you know, I, I would say I grew a little bit, but you know, all the way through my college years. Um, I would suggest that the majority of the sermons that I heard, the majority of the teaching I had was one way or another focused around a gospel sermon. So I heard that. I knew that so well. What I didn't know was a lot of the rest of the Bible. How does it go together historically? How do you defend it? What about the apologetics? And I think a lot of other kids lack those uh, certain issues, too. And that's one of the reasons I think they struggle in their faith and just remain stagnant. Um, You know, I don't want to use the word stagnant, but you know what? In a lot of senses, my faith was just stagnant. I grew to a certain point. And I was just stuck there. What, I, what was it that that?
0: Uh, and I think that's a, mm-hmm. that's for a lot of us. What was it that that tripped for you that actually sent you? In, the, in another trajectory as far as your faith is well, concerned. Well, you know, there's a
1: handful of things that all happen about the same time. About the time I went from receiving my master's degree and started teaching at the university, a handful of things happened. One of them was a, a guy came up to me and he was in a science field and I knew him. I knew uh, that, that he was involved in science as well. And he came up and said, hey, somebody told me about Jesus. And uh, that, that kind of fascinated me. You're a Christian, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, uh, can I ask you uh, some more? I, I want to find out more about all this, you know. And here's what ran through my head: my, uh, I, I thought he was going to ask about origins, about evolution, big bang, all these, and I didn't have answers to that. I said nothing. And uh, I, I remember what came out of my mouth was, yeah, maybe we can talk sometime, <laughs> you know. But basically, I was shrugging him off. Right. And uh, the sad part about that is I walked away going, you know. I have no answers. I, I had no idea. I, I could tell him the Gospels sermon, which he probably just heard, but that was about it. Um, another uh, thing that, that kind of happened, somebody came up and asked me, you know, who came first, was it David or Abraham? And this was another christian and i'm sitting there i remember struggling with that because i'm like how do i not know this i could tell you about abraham because i knew all the i can all the you, bible stories I can walk you him. down
0: romans road <laughs> that's right <laughs> tell you how to get saved.
1: that's right and i could tell you about david you know i knew about the bible stories right. but i didn't know how to put it together historically and how that all built you know i it's hard to believe i was in college and i couldn't do that and that hit me, I'm like, whoa, you gotta be kidding me. Another thing that happened was a girl, uh, we, we happened to be wearing flip-flops and she made a comment about, yeah, we're evolving, we're, we're gonna lose our little toe. And I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna lose our little toe? What are you talking about? And I was like, didn't God create us? She's like, well, I don't believe in God, you know? So all of a sudden I, I, I got thrust into that. So I went to my college pastor and I said, hey, um, evolution, that's not, that's not true, is it?" And He's like, no, 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 that's not true. And uh, I was like, well, what do you have? I need need to be able to defend this. I need to start having answers, you know? And he gave me a book and it was from Dr. Hugh Ross. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hugh Ross, but he he believes in progressive creation. Uh, Basically, you know, you you put the millions of years into Genesis chapter one and there's different stages. So I actually read a couple of books of his and I read it right next to the scripture. And uh, when I got done with those books, I was, I was, I I tell you what, that was the the biggest struggle in my life right at that point, because I really didn't have answers. What I was basically told was Big Bang is true, millions of years is true, the the creation account, you don't really trust it the way it's read, you gotta reinterpret it and all that. And I I was struggling. I remember closing his book and going, if this is the best Christianity has, do I wanna be a Christian? I remember thinking that. And then I looked at the Bible, I'm like, hold it, God's never wrong. God is always right. I'm like, you know what, I can trust the Bible. And it was at that moment, it seemed like all the doors just opened. Um, I went to a youth group and, you know, I. What I do, I just show up sometimes and I just help out, you know, from time to time. Well, somebody said, hey, the junior high kids don't have a teacher. Go in there. So I ran in there and we, we fumbled through a lesson. And Was this your first teaching gig yeah for (laughs) for kids yeah and i walked out of there and they said oh you're the permanent teacher now (laughs) i'm like (laughs) congratulations great so i went in there the next day and i said hey kids what do you guys want to know do you want us to go through a book of the bible um you know i can i can outline the gospel for you really well i said or do you guys have questions what what might it be and hands went up they're like what about big bang what about evolution did we come from ape-like creatures what about missing links all these kind of questions one of them was dinosaurs and i'm like i i was like deer in the headlights because so i'm like you know what i have those questions too i'm like you know what let's hit them so god used the mouths of these little kids to yes. direct the course of your life that's right these kids were being hit with it so i actually went to the local christian bookshop and grabbed a book and it was millions of years you know right. and all this and that and set it back down i grabbed another one and it was talking millions of years god created dinosaurs 230 million years ago or something i'm like hmm. and then there was another book sitting there by ken Ham. The Great Dinosaur Mystery Solved, and I'll show you a copy of that here later on. I have the old-fashioned version. It was in okay. full color, but uh, I opened it up, and it said, hey, let's start with God and his word, because God's always right, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I want. Okay, God created land animals on day six. Dinosaurs and land animals they are made on day six, and I'm like, okay, now that makes sense. <laughs> I, I was so excited about the book. I went home. I read the whole book, in one night, I was I, you know, I had more answers about dinosaurs than ever had. And I was so excited that me, as a, as a poor college student, I went back and I bought every copy they had. Nobody else is going to get answers on dinosaurs, but I was going to have them. And uh, I took the kids through the through the book, and uh, it was really exciting. I mean, they were really excited uh, about their faith, and, and so was I at the time.
0: I am talking with Bodie Hodge. He is a speaker, writer, researcher for Answers in Genesis. And if you could see him right now, <laughs> he is animated He talks with his hands and he moves around a lot in his chair. I appreciate the passion, and I'm listening to the irony because my life's path parallels yours. I was in a situation in my life where the difficulties mounted and the answers were few. I went to my pastor looking for help, and they knew the gospel, but they didn't have help as it pertained to sanctification. And so I went on this long journey of equipping myself and how to help people who are in trouble. And so I went down the route of biblical counseling. I'm listening to your story. Yeah. It's, it's an identical story and a parallel track. I want to transition here. Give me your best, uh, most succinct uh, definition uh, that would, or answer that would refute evolution. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, well, at least you yeah, didn't say trust
1: God. That, that's right. That's right. But, uh, you know, uh, the Bible is God's word. Sometimes we're, we're in a culture where people have tried to demote God's word. They want to bring it down to be just anything. But the, the word of God is the word of God. And God is the ultimate authority in all matters, whether it's evolution, whether it's salvation, whether it's, you know, whether you should brush your teeth or not. God's word is the absolute authority. There is no greater authority than god and his word says he created all things in six days you see that outlined in genesis 1 uh, all the way up through 2 4 where he rested on the seventh day exodus 20 uh, verse 11 god created all things in six days Uh, we see it in exodus 31 we see a number of confirmations god created all things in six days and he's the authority on that now i want you to notice when people object to god who are they appealing to They're appealing to themselves they're they're elevating man's ideas man's opinions to be equal to or greater than god and his word to say that that didn't happen to say evolution to say big bang millions of years and so on so really what that is that's a religious debate are you going to trust god and his word that is christ and his word from what he said at the very beginning or are we going to trust man's ideas which is called humanism Whenever man's ideas are elevated to supersede God and his word, that is the religion of humanism in its broadest sense. And, you know, we uh, did a a world religions and cults book series here at the ministry, and we hit over 60 world religions and cults. But here's how we start that book. We started off with a simple fact. There are only two religions in the world, gods and not gods. And if it doesn't come from God, it comes through the mind of man, one way or another. Whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Islam, whether it's deism, whether it's paganism, all these religions, one way or another, have taken man's ideas to take you away from God and his word. Yeah, that was the argument that the Lord used in my life when he regenerated me in
0: 1984. I was into heavily into PMA, positive mental attitude books. I won't mention the multi-level marketing. <laughs>
1: Pro, i remember those days pro, pro, that's
0: how old i am <laughs> program i was part of but anyway they feed you a lot of yeah. pma books positive Mental attitude and all of those books tell me that i'm great i'm fantastic i'm an amazing person i'm going to co- conquer the world today what we have is the self-esteem iteration that has come out of that and then i started reading the bible and when i read the bible it wasn't as flattering uh, it said i was basically rotten to the core i was going to hell uh, I've got a major problem with God. I've got a major problem with myself. And I put the Bible next to the stacks of PMA books, and there was only one question for me to answer. And this is, this is a true story. This is how God was working in my heart that led me to eventually uh, being saved. Uh, I had one question to answer. Is that book true or false? If I say the book is false, then eat, drink, be married. tomorrow I die, nothing matters, do whatever you wanna do. But if I say that book is true, the Bible is true, then that's, that is that is the watershed question. Now, you gave me a simple answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked you for a succinct uh, answer to refute evolution. Right. You said the Bible. Yeah. Uh, your second response really filled that out. You colored yeah. in all the pages, and, and that's what I was thinking, because that was my story, too, as far as regeneration is concerned. Mm-hmm is the bible true or false that has to be your starting point and place. you know
1: what that that is the pivotal question right now i would say with people all across the world regardless of what they've grown up with as a religion what they've been taught in their educational system that's the question is the bible true or is the bible false and just like you said you know it's like you're quoting ecclesiastes you know just right. eat, drink and be merry right um if, if the bible is not true because nothing really matters but that's that question. Is the Bible true? Well, here's the thing. The, the Bible is true. And I'm going to tell people, I'm, I'm going to give them the answer right up front. It's true by virtue of it coming from God, who is the truth. He is the, the very standard of the existence of truth. Um you know, uh, we we sometimes like to use some of these uh, different arguments. You know that people have used to confirm the truth of the Bible. You can use archaeology, you can use science, and so forth. And we see a lot of great uh, uh, confirmations of the truthfulness of Scripture. But it's true by virtue of it coming from God, who is right. the truth. And you know, I, I you know I've had people say, well. Well, Bodie, how do you know that the Bible's true? And I said, let's just analyze that question for a second. You, you, you asked a big question. You're asking things, but you're making certain assumptions when you ask this question. You're asking, how do we know the Bible's truth? So number one, you're assuming truth exists. You're assuming knowledge exists. And you're assuming that we're in a position to be able to understand the answer. Now, from a Christian perspective, that makes sense because truth exists because God exists. Right. Knowledge exists because God made us in his image. So we can do knowledge the same way that God, who is all knowledgeable, uh, can uh, deal with knowledge. But we're also made in the image of God, which puts us in a special category. We're not like a rock. Uh, we can understand that question. We can evaluate that question. So when you're asking that question, you're already assuming that truth and knowledge exists, which is from a Christian perspective. For example, let's say you jump over to, say, Eastern mysticism. Uh, you know, think Hinduism, think Taoism, some of these religions of the East. And some of these religions, they would actually make the argument, you know, if they're consistent with their religion, that truth doesn't really exist. Truth and falsity are one and the same. So they would say truth doesn't really exist. Fact is, knowledge doesn't necessarily exist because knowledge and no knowledge are one and the same. It, it's fascinating, you know, here, here in the Western world, right. it's tough for us to comprehend that right. religion, but that's what that kind of stuff teaches. So if you were to ask the question, how do you know the Bible's true over there and evaluate it from say, a, a Taoistic perspective or so forth, they'd say, well, that question doesn't really make sense. You see, when we ask that question, we're presuming the truthfulness of the scripture just to ask it, right. and that's powerful right there.
0: A 15-year-old boy comes up to you and he, "Mr. Hodge, I have a question for you." "What is your question?" "Why does a biblical view of young earth matter? I mean,
1: can't we come to the same maturity in Christ if we believe in an old earth?" "Well, here here's what happens. You know, I would never say that somebody who believes in an old earth can't be saved. You got you got to be careful about that. You know, of course somebody can be saved." Because um, you know, that's predicated on their faith. You mean God faithing, can save and,
0: you cr- if you don't know if you're anything an, about the Bible?
1: Well, if you're, an, if you're an evolutionist or if you're an old earther, you may still have the correct view of who Christ is. Right. What you don't have is a proper understanding of the foundation. Excellent distinction. And, yeah. uh, and, and so you know, we have to be careful about that. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people that get saved and they get excited, but they don't know anything about Genesis.
0: Yeah, when I entered yeah. the church as a 25-year-old after salvation, I said hot dog. I didn't know that you were supposed to say hallelujah
1: <laughs> they, t- they taught me yeah, the yeah. language I learned the language right. I learned theology post salvation right. right and you know what that's the case with a lot of people you know they can get saved but then what they need to do is they need to take that next level they need to start diving into the scriptures they need to start understanding from the foundation forward and that's one of the things that i want to encourage people to do what i see is a lot of inconsistency because you know like with my testimony i struggle with progressive creation a lot of the millions of years in Genesis. Right. so there i was you know st- sitting there trying to figure out well is big bang true you know is, is, is our, the millions of years here um you know that's called geological and astronomical evolution by the way now, that's distinct from biological evolution but i struggled with some of those issues and w- was I not saved? Well, of course, I was saved, but I didn't know how to how to deal with that. And I think a lot of old earthers, a lot of people like this, they don't realize what's going on when it comes to creation. Let, let me put this to a big picture, you know because I like to look at this from a re- religious perspective, okay. Uh, In a humanistic worldview, you have uh, different subsets of that religion, like atheism or agnosticism. There's a whole host of these, uh, secularism and so forth. These are all different variations of humanism. And in those religions, they have things like Big Bang, which is a model that says all things were created essentially by itself. No God required and then you have millions of years, and then you have evolution built on that. Those are subsets, essentially, to the religion of humanism. You flip over here to Christianity, you have creation in six days, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel. These are like subsets to the religion of Christianity. So you have two different competing sets here. Now what's happening is a lot of Christians are saying, yep, okay, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, but they're still over here borrowing Big Bang or Millions of Years of Evolution. What they're doing is they're taking tenets from another religion that are trying to bring it over and they're trying to mix it with their Christianity.
0: So it's an integration of secular teachings and Christian world. Hey, you said no God required. Have you ever said that before? I mean, I I heard that phrase. It sounded like a A title of a good book. (laughs) No God
1: required. Yeah, in fact, I have used that before, you know, when it comes to Big Bang, because, you know, I've had a lot of well-meaning Christians say, well, maybe God used the Big Bang. Well, if that's the case, God really didn't do anything because the model itself says, you know, matter pops into existence from nothing, And so then it rapidly explodes or expands. That's where you get your matter and energy. So there really is no God required to do that. And if so, then it really doesn't match at all with what the Bible teaches. I I feel an article
0: coming on titled (laughs) No God Required. I'll give you credits in the footnote for that little... I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a walking fra- I'm looking for phrases all the time yeah. for writing, and that gotcha. was an excellent phrase. I can see it overarching yeah. Genesis 11,
1: the Tower of Babel, no God mm-hmm. required. Here we oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing you would see. But, you know, in our culture, you know, we're, we're seeing that battle where people are trying to mix those two religions. And I, I want people to step back and realize what's going on. This is no different than, say, you know, back in the Old Testament when the godly Israelites would start adding the Baal worship to their worship they didn't realize that something was wrong with that. You know, they were over here borrowing from another religion and mixing it. A good example. I went down to Peru, you know, I've been to a number of different continents now. And when I went down there, um, there's a lot of Catholicism down. Which town were you in Lima? Well, I was in Lima, Cajamarca. I went out to, uh, uh, Nazca. Okay. To we did a conference Jusca. in Pocapa,
0: which is on the other side okay. of the Andes. Yes. From yes. Lima.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a ways away. Um, one of the things that I found with a lot of the Catholicism down there is it would mix with the local pagan gods. Okay. yeah. So, some of these uh, beautiful old Catholic church buildings that you could go into, I'd go into them and they'd have their statues of Mary or Jesus, but then they would have stuff set up to some of these pagan gods. And I would say, say what, what are they doing there? They're openly mixing this stuff. Well, here's what's funny. I would see some of the, the Peruvian Christians come up here and they would say, what are you Christians doing? You're just mixing with evolution in millions of years. What? Why are you mixing these religions? You see, sometimes when it's in our own backyard, we don't, we don't notice we it. We don't see it. So right. my question, uh, why does a biblical view
0: of young earth matter? You, you gave several answers, but one of the things that's really intriguing to me because I see this in my counseling world is the integration of secular ideas with mm-hmm. biblical ideas. And so part of the answer is a uh, young earth matters because you're getting a, a right interpretation of scripture. And that's really trajectory setting. Well, uh, it is, particularly you, for the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, because reasoning is circular, and so your, your starting point determines your
1: ending point. And if mm-hmm. you start wrongly, then you're not, not going to end up at the right place. Yeah, and, well, let's look at some of those practicals. You know, there, there's some great examples in there. I look around, and we're all wearing clothes here today, <laughs> which uh, that is, is a great uh, thing. <laughs> I, I want to affirm that. that we That's all, right. We are wearing our my clothes. My children
0: here are sitting in the yep. office with Lucia as well, and we are clothed and in
1: our right mind. That's right, yeah. And, you know, that goes back to Genesis. Why do we wear clothes? Because originally Adam and Eve were naked. But because of sin, because of shame, now we wear clothes. God covered us with clothing. Um, you know, another aspect is the doctrine of marriage. The doctrine of marriage goes back to God creating a man and a woman. And, uh, you know, right. I, I, I've i used this a number of times, but, uh, you know, I've had some, some atheists that have come up and— They want to argue and say that we're just animals, that there's no God, there's no right and wrong. How dare I even mention that God exists? And there they are wearing their clothes with a wedding ring on. And I pulled that out. I said, hold on a second. If we're just animals, why are you wearing clothes? And I'll tell you what, it genuinely stumps a lot of these guys. They've never thought about why they wear clothes, and I have to explain it to them. Uh, One gentleman, you know, I said, well, why'd you get married? You know, because in an evolutionary worldview, in an atheistic worldview, your goal is to spread your genes to as many people as possible, and then you die. I said, getting married actually goes against that. And he's like, listen, I'm honorable to my wife. And I said, well, that's very Christian of you. And he never thought through the implications of that. And there's so many doctrines. Why do we have a week? God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. Doctrines go back to the foundation and that's how we build our worldview.
0: uh, I had a list of questions that I was gonna (laughs) (laughs) ask you about, He had 10 altogether. Well, we we can go a few extra minutes if you want. We made it down (laughs) to number four. This is too good. And I didn't even ask you number four. You you answered it, and which is really what I wanted. Part of what I wanted to talk about is the practical application of of this idea of having a proper view of creationism, wearing clothes, and marriage. Obviously, racism would be a part right. of it, which is a huge hot button in our culture today. Mm-hmm. I am talking <clears throat> with Bodie Hodge. He is a writer, researcher, speaker at Answers in Genesis, and this has been an amazing podcast. It is so so good. I'm going to have links in the show notes that that you can get to his books that he's written and co-authored with others here at AIG. You want to continue your studies in this. Uh, Bodhi, we got just a couple of minutes left. Uh, as you look out on the cultural landscape, it's crazy today, and oh. it's, it, it seems like it's more crazy than than it was when I was a kid. I was reared yeah. in the in the '60s and early '70s, as far as a young person and, and a teenager. And it's just wild today. Do you? What do you do to guard your own heart from personal discouragement as you look out on the craziness that's happening?
1: Well, step one, getting into the scriptures and living the scriptures. You know, that right there is a, is a wonderful step. You've got to be discerning in our culture. I mean, we're seeing homosexuality, racism. We're seeing transgender. We're seeing a lot of different issues pop up. And that's because people have walked away from the authority of the Word of God. What we want to do is encourage people to get back to it.
0: Bodie Hodge, A-I-G. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You God
1: bless
0: you. You have been
1: listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.